0: You gotta handle the rock with flair and rhythm if you wanna be judged on wood grain and concrete courts in New York. This ain't no nickel and dime. It's dribbling dimes where scoring never looked this good, I guarantee it. But was your reputation built from the playground up, or did you call next and they took that ish? all cause you weren't as fast as police and ambulance sirens, Or as loud as Mr. Softy ice cream? No. You see, this is New York City hoops in prime time. As beautiful as the skyline, it's dribbling and Dimes. At an early age, our guest recalls immersing himself into basketball through the pages of Slam Magazine. In parallel, he became more dedicated to honing his skills in the park. He peaked early, and by the end of his middle school years, so too came the slowdown of his serious encore exploits. He never let up on his hoops fanaticism. He revered NBA icons like Allen Iverson, Kobe Bryant, and so on, never missing a beat on all things basketball culture. As luck would have it, he found his way into Harris Publications and became a part of the Slam Magazine family. As a salesperson, he made a name for himself and earned a solid reputation throughout the company. After a series of interesting corporate shuffles, he partnered with Slam founder Dennis Page and another associate to outright buy Slam and set it on a new and exciting course. On this episode of Dribble and Dimes, we hear the basketball story of Slam Media Inc. partner and COO David Schnurr. It's your boy, Manny Digital. Welcome to another episode of Dribbling Dimes. I happen to be sitting in Slam Magazine's offices. Um, Very, very happy to be with uh, our our guest today. He is the COO of Slam Magazine. And seems to be such a t- cool cool cat. Well, Westchester think. native, yes sir. Um, career slam guy, yes. <laughs>
1: Eleven years in
0: county. Eleven years. That's Mr. David Schnurr's voice, by the way. If you if you're not familiar, um, David, thank you very much for uh, my pleasure. Us, my and, pleasure. For, and for first hosting podcast,
1: us. first podcast experience. Word. Happy to be here.
0: Uh, hey, I, I appreciate that you picked us as your uh, jumping off point.
1: Yes, it, it fits. Dribbling dimes, slam, you know. I love it. Makes sense. I love it.
0: So, um, this is our first, call it, media interview, right? Okay. With a media entity. Yep. And uh, as I was preparing for this interview, um, you know, I caught a lot of flashbacks. Um, slam being. You know, the basketball Bible, by many people's standards, uh, and my personal viewpoint on it as well, I just re- recalled all the different moments, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, from, like, Felipe, that, that era, when, yeah. rough, right around when the magazine yeah. kind of jumped off. Yeah, 94. Uh, yeah, 94, through, you know, when you had, like, the Kobe's and, and Vince Carter's and those guys on, yeah. on the cover. Um I tell you, like I've related a lot to slam. I'm um, sorry, slam to the Source Mag, right? For hip hop, like yep. to me, slam is the the basketball version of it. Yep. What made you? How did you fall into slam?
1: So slam, I've, I've just been a lifelong slam reader and fan. Like I mentioned you before, I started reading slam was when I was probably nine or ten years old, mm-hmm. um, and really just fell in love with it from the beginning. Everything that it represented from you know, the swag of the players on the covers, and the inside posters, and um, the hip-hop language, and the sneakers. Um, and at the time, I was really getting into playing basketball. So that kind of just took my love for the game to, to another level.
0: But you, you jumped in from a career standpoint. I mean, yeah. right, right. You know, right. when the magazine was out, you were young, you were getting immersed right. into basketball more so yeah, than just in Yeah, yeah. No, how
1: did, I, how did I fall into the job here? So... Um, you know, I, I went to Emory University, I studied economics. I was actually thinking of becoming a teacher after, um, wow. after school. And then I was like, you know, let me, let me take a step back um, and, and see if there's a job out there that I'd be interested in. And my sister at the time had just started dating a guy that worked at Harris Publications, which is where SLAM was founded. He worked on a car magazine called Rides. And uh, he met my mom, and she said, what other magazines are at your publishing company? And he said, well, we have a basketball magazine called Slam. And Mom's like, oh, my God, my son David, who, who's about to graduate from Emory, loves Slam. And he goes, oh, that's funny you should say that. We have a sales position opening up. Um, so your mom you, you was should, the, yeah, the plug. exactly. My, my mom and my sister's boyfriend at the time were the plug. Um, so my mom hits me. She's like, Liz's new boyfriend is uh, works at the same company as Slam you know you should you should talk to him and I was like mom she just started dating this guy right. like two weeks ago I'm about right. to start working with you know my sister's boyfriend I don't know if that's the best idea anyway fast forward a couple of weeks I met him um, his name's also David we hit it off and uh, I came in for an interview uh, with Dennis Page who's my business partner and he said you know where'd Kobe go to high school where'd Jordan go to high school we just talked basketball for 45 minutes He's right. was like you want the job and that was the
0: qualification that, like literally it was, that was it I mean I
1: it was <laughs> he knew he could tell that I was a, a slam kid right um and that's really probably the most important part um when you're in this business is having a passion for the game and the culture you know coming in and just doing sales or just working for a brand but not really having a passion for it and that's not fun right but you know I've loved doing this since since the day I started because Basketball and slam and hip hop have always been um, my biggest passions.
0: So million dollar question.
1: Yeah. The other David and your sister, where are they? They're married. No, they're married. They have two kids. Get the fuck. I out was of his hand. best man. He was my best man at Yo, my at my fuck. wedding, and we've been best friends. Yes, we've I been gotta, best friends I since since I started. We sat in a cube with each other at Harris for seven years
0: shit shout out to them that's yeah. big
1: shout out to dc especially because you know relationships
0: you, relationships don't tend to work oh, out he reminds early. me
1: too he reminds me he says you know if i if if it wasn't for me your life would be very different it's true and it's absolutely true so he but, gets a piece he gets he, a piece. He, he, yeah right he gets that he gets that kickback um no but it's funny i think about that all the time like if my sister and, and him had not met you know, where would I be?
0: But even you know more me? importantly, the presence of mind of your mom to connect those dots. Yeah. Because your sister wasn't even thinking and about it. And not that. only
1: that, from his vantage point, like if I had a um, a sibling that yeah. had a new boyfriend or girlfriend, I wouldn't invite that person nah. into my place to work and say, you should interview Absolutely here. Absolutely not. I would never get, you know, there's just right. way too much that could go wrong. Right. So all credit to him. He had the vision. He knew damn he knew does he still work here no he works at uh he actually works on double xl at town scrum oh that's dope
0: that's dope um wow so you mentioned dennis page your business partner yeah shameless plug yeah um little stunt there yeah uh explain because you're a relatively young dude yeah right um dennis page is an older gentleman yeah and you're 32 and dennis page started slam in 94 yeah but then now you're his business partner in SLAM. Can you yeah. walk us through that?
1: Yeah, sure. So when I started in 2008, he brought me on to sell like print advertising. And Dennis had all the juicy accounts. He was running uh, Nike and Adidas and Under Armour and the Marine Corps and all these big, big you know blue chip clients. And I was kind of brought in to scrape and find everybody else um, that he wasn't talking to. So, yeah, the hustle. The hustle, exactly. So I came in um, and I did that for about two years on the print side. And then the digital media stuff started popping mm-hmm. um, and we had a digital seller and she left and then they were going to bring somebody else on to take, to take over that digital role. And I said, hold up, don't hire someone. I'll, I'll figure this out um, and, and I'll handle the digital sales. Mm. So that was my opportunity to kind of show them that I could, um, you know, take advantage of the situation and rise to the occasion. So um, I kind of taught myself the digital part of the business um and that was my way to start working with the nikes and the adidas because dennis was working on nike and adidas and under all those guys on the right. print side right. but he didn't know the digital side of the business gotcha. so then we really started working more in tandem because he would do something with this client on the print side and we work together and say how do we bring a digital component into this right. so um i started the you know kind of elevating the digital side of the business and then i started a network with you know ball is life and hoop mixtape and hot new hip-hop and sneaker files and just kind of created this basketball, hip-hop, and sneaker network that then I then sold in the marketplace as one kind of basketball, hip-hop network.
0: So it was kind of like an early, what Complex ended up starting to do it, Yeah, right? so
1: at one point, I think Complex, you know, I would say they were a competitor. I don't know if they would have considered us a competitor sure. because they were bigger than us, but like much bigger than us and just had broader reach. But. We had maybe five sites, and they had eleven. Sure. And then we had six, and they had twenty-five. Right. Then we had seven, and they had eighty. And I was like, "Yo, this shit is getting." But that's that's
0: all you though, right? You managing that plus other things. Yeah, totally. They They had like a massive
1: team. Absolutely, absolutely. And I was really staying in this kind of vertical basketball culture space, whereas Complex was really going. They had everything from food to girls to bros to sports to cars, just men's lifestyle across the board. And I was really focused in on, you know, kind of what Slam was and finding these, you know, uh, other websites that fit that mold of basketball culture space. So if we go back
0: a little bit, you mentioned you jumped into basketball and and off air, we were talking about kind of where was your height you
1: playing, right? My peak... My, my buddy's always telling this, my buddy Ben specifically, he's like, I remember you went away to camp one summer and you came back and you were just so much better than everybody else. And that summer I was maybe nine or 10, probably right, actually right <laughs> when I started reading Slam. And then I was really good until, you know, I was probably 12 or 13 and then everybody else grew a lot more than I did and got really good and got a lot stronger and I just kind of... You know,
0: kind of faded to black. Yeah,
1: kind of <laughs> faded to black. I mean, I played ball every day. I mean, that's what I did. I'd, I'd finish school, I'd play ball for a couple hours. My sister would come get me from the park and say, Dave, it's time for dinner." It's like one of those wow. kind of movie stories. Yeah. like you know, I could see it in like a little graphic novel. She comes, she gets me, I go. I eat my food, I do my homework. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was always. I played every day of my life through college, and then when I started working, it became more difficult mm. to play every day. And so,
0: so the private investigator that I hired mentioned that um, you're a deep threat kind of guy, like uh, very consistent, deep range shooter. Mid game yeah, w- is is pretty pretty good too.
1: Everybody in this office would uh, would disagree with that because they've only seen me. They've seen Dave Schnur, you know, like twenty seven to thirty two play. Okay, and that is a very different. Dave Schner than the, the 11, 12, 13-year-old Dave Schner. So I'd say I'm consistently inconsistent. Ah, my favorite. That is that is my game. It's my entire life. You know, and I never used to have these thoughts before I played, but now before I play, I'm like, shit, is it worth the jam finger? You know, is it, worth, gotta the, think is about it that. worth the pulled hamstring? And then once I get going and I get warm, I'm like, You don't give I'm a fuck. Good, I hit a couple J's, I'm ready to go. You feel um, like the man. I feel like the man, but I, I, I would say the last couple times I've played, I've like jammed a pinky that last three weeks. You know, I, I, pull a, I pull a hammy, something like that. So, you know, at least, at least I still get to work on slam and, so and what, get my fix that way.
0: One, one thing uh, that somebody mentioned <laughs> was like, if, you know, I asked him, if you had to compare his game to a, a pro player, right, mm-hmm. who would it be? Ooh, a few like names this. came up, right? Steve Nash was one. Ooh, I like that. Uh, but the one that caught me off guard and made me laugh my ass off was, they said, <laughs> a homeless man's J.J. Redick.
1: <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> That is way off, yo crack. If that was you, if that was you. That is that is not. not even I do the same not like that part. comparison. No, I mean JJ is like a wet shooter. He's kind of like a three yeah, and D kind of guy, or is he even defensively not really didn't, but, but anyway, yeah, he's just like a sniper. off the screen. Yeah, no, I was. If you asked anyone that played with me when I was when I was younger, it was I had. Probably the best handle on the court. It I was worked. really shifty and quick, and I could kind of get my shot off. But I was small, so I would fade away, and I could I could I could generally get my shot off. But okay. um, JJ Redick, no, <laughs> definitely. I thought he was going to say like a poor man's jay like white chocolate. Jason ah, Williams. Ah, I mean, I would take that. Oh, handle, yeah. handle was bad. Um, <laughs> okay. And Steve Nash, yeah, I could pass the rock a little bit, but but not um, really. No, I could. Okay. I could, but you, are, you know, you I wasn't Russell in like Westbrook the, type shit? Yeah, I wasn't in like the craziest runs. You know, okay. I wasn't playing with you know, I would play against teams I was on some travel teams when I was younger and we play against like Don Bosco Prep and these guys would yeah. just like beat the shit out of us. So, yeah. You know, I was I was humbled. <laughs> I was humbled at an early age. You know, I had NBA dreams, but you know, those those we, dreams we, those dreams died very, very young.
0: So again, you you. Are a lifelong, I would say, basketball enthusiast since, since you fell into it. 100. percent You decided to go to school in Atlanta. Yep. Uh, Emory University. Yep. The, the, the three the, they're a D three oh, school, yeah. right? Yeah. So you didn't go necessarily to be a fan of the of the no, team no. per se. Definitely not. Academics, I assume, is what brought you there. Yeah. But what More was weather. the basketball? I mean, how did you get your basketball fixed? Playing, just
1: playing, 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 and you know, playing fantasy basketball with my my roommates or whatever it was, but no, just playing. I was always, I'd say I probably played in my Mm -hmm. life, 85% of the basketball I played was by myself. Just like, you know, I'm not saying that to like be sad or anything, but just picking up a ball and going to the park. Like
0: above the rim when the dude's playing with a shadow? Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) No, no, wake up at 7.30 in the morning when I would wake up when I was a kid. I was never a really late sleeper. I'd go to the park and play ball for two, three hours, and if I was lucky enough to have, you know, maybe five guys come and play some three-on-three pickup, that'd be great. (laughs) You know, and then in college, you'd be playing intramurals and you get your five on five runs. But one thing I hated about runs was waiting. Mm. So if you lose, you come off and you got two teams. You know, I played at the Y in New York um, down on 14th Street. And I would go early in the morning um, and uh, play in some runs. And then I'd be waiting for 20 minutes. And I hated that. So I just like to pick up a ball, go to the park and shoot and that's probably why my, my left was never that good because I didn't have I was just going and kind of yeah just re- doing freestyle. my thing I didn't re- I never really had proper basketball training mm-hmm. like I said my dad um was never like a huge influence on my the basketball part of my life and he wasn't like go get a trainer go do this go do that right. um he was just like for him that was just you yeah recreation. he was just like yeah right. recreation Random. do what you want to do
0: that's dope. I yeah. mean, it's better than him saying you can't go outside. Oh, absolutely! No, my dad. Because growing up in the Bronx, my dad's my idol. That's dope. Yeah. No, growing I mean, up in the Bronx for me, it was like uh, you can only be outside from the hours of like uh, you know eleven thirty in the morning to twelve thirty in the afternoon, right. and then you better get your ass home, or right. else the sun is gonna give you cancer and no all right. sorts of fucking no. scare
1: tactics. Nope, <laughs> none of that. But me.
0: so you you got to Harris on the on the back of of your now brother in law, right? Right. Um, and you work sales here. How did you end up, you know, essentially becoming the COO, yeah. but ultimately like a, an, an invested right. you know, partner in what is now Slam Online?
1: So I'm I'm try, slam, I'll slam try Media. Slam Media. So I'll try and make this quick. There's a, there's a lot that goes into it. So um, I was at Harris Publications for until about 2014. Like as I mentioned, Harris started Slam. They sold it in 2000, yep. and then it subsequently had four or five owners. But Dennis, my business partner, retained the contract to keep running the magazine. Yep. In 2014, Harris, they also owned Double XL. They sold Double XL to Town Square Media, and just decided that they didn't really want to run that part of their publishing company anymore. So Dennis and I left together and started a company called Fly Q Media, and okay. we took the contract to run Slam with us. Okay. So now we had a contract to run Slam, and then I had this digital network that we were running. So FlyQ Media was Slam Magazine, running that magazine, running that digital side of the business, but then also running the network that I built around it. Got it. Um, And the company that owned it, uh, the Enthusiast Network, also known as 10, they own automobile, motor trend, a bunch of action sports titles, surfer, skate, and Slam didn't really fit their portfolio. So our competitors were doing a lot in the video space and doing a lot in the event space and, digi- and, and they were all very digitally minded and our company, um, our parent company at the time wasn't really necessarily investing in SLAM um, the way they should have been. Right. Or, you know, maybe they didn't have the resources to, to be able to do that because they had a lot of other, other projects. Space. They were working on Motor Trend which is a massive, massive brand in the auto yeah. space. So um, we... Uh, we approached a guy that we knew that was really into basketball, that had a had a great investment background, and said, "You know, would you be interested in going in on this with us and and buying Slam and and investing in it and bringing it back to what it was in in the late '90s and early 2000s and bringing it into the digital age and creating great content and you know exploiting the name as best we can um, on all channels." And uh, lucky for us, he was he was into the idea, and we tried to buy it in 2000. Maybe 2015 and couldn't come to terms, and then in August of 2017 we were able to close and buy it. Wow! So th- the way I became COO is just kind of coming together with with Dennis, who's the founder and, and our investor. Let's call him Joe, and uh, <laughs> the silent partner. And you know the three of us, and you know Dennis is CEO and I'm COO, and we kind of handle everything. Ladders up to us on on the business side.
0: And for those that are listening and may not know who we're talking about, so we're talking about the founder of Slam, Dennis Page. And obviously, our guest, Dave, uh, Dave Schnur, here. Um, I, I find it fascinating, kind of this this rebound, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> apropos nice. of Slam, right? <laughs> uh, not, not that I ever noticed it necessarily right. fade away, but I see the resurgence now, totally. right? Yeah. I brought the, the New York vs. New York magazine you guys collaborated with uh, Nike on, yep. uh, which I, I read cover to cover, which is dope. But I look at this, and obviously this is, you know, something I can, tangible, something I can hold. In the digital age, and you can still find um, slam magazines that you can physically touch. How has that transition been for you guys, especially now in this phase two, call it, yeah. with the digital divide?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's been great. I mean, when we started, when we bought it, we had, I think we had eight or nine people. Now we have 35. Wow. So we've wow. got a whole in-house video team, a whole in-house social team. Before this, we had a bunch of editors that were, the editors were doing social and we'd farm out some video projects, the videographers here and there, but we weren't doing consistent video and we weren't doing high school video. Right. So one of the first orders of business when we bought it back was we need to get deep in high school and go back to our. Roots and start building relationships with these stars when they're younger. Yeah, and that's that's what Slam always did. We had the High School Diary. We were with Steph Marbury when he was a sophomore at Lincoln, and we built with these guys that long-term you know, value. That long-term value when they were when they were young in high school. So um, you know, we started uh, with getting deep in high school. We hired this guy named Brian LaRussa who's phenomenal, who heads up our high school team, and he he oversees probably thirty shooters that we have. Um, across the country just filming the best high school content Um, and we have an Instagram channel that just eclipsed I think we're almost at 600,000 fans in under a year and a half or two years whatever it is so what the um, hell did you guys do to grow that fast just put out great content. Be everywhere that we need it to be. There's really no tricks yeah, it's to the just trade. It's just, it's just hard content. work and quality content and yeah. having a respectable name in the space. Yeah, and no, people respect SLAM. But well, that helps. what you brought up before about like the tangibility of a magazine, ironically, the magazine in this day and age is like our competitive advantage. People look at it and say, oh, it's a print magazine. Who does magazines anymore? Right. Like, every other magazine is dying. How yep. has SLAM been able to stay afloat in this digital age? And it's really special. You know, anybody can be on the front page of Bleacher report.com, for five minutes. It comes and sure. it goes and that's it. But being mm-hmm. on this cover, it's a rite of passage for mm-hmm. guys. And yeah. Being on that slam cover and being able to get a blow up and put it up in your in your big house that by playing ball, um, being on the poster inside, um, it, it means something to these guys. And it's really a great access point for us hmm. because it enables us to, to get access to these great players and build relationships with them and create great content around them. And it's a great content moment for us. So when we do a cover now, we usually do two or three covers per yeah. issue, yep. and that gives us three content moments on our channels. And we build a video around every cover, and we have stories around every player that we have. And now we're doing T-shirts and all sorts of merchandise that are that are cover centric. So I saw um, those,
0: those like that tribute to the Olaf shorts you guys got over there. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, um, we
1: could talk about that. I mean, the merch. Where is that going to be? Where,
0: where is this? Where do, where can people find merch? Because I got to go buy
1: some shop.slamonline.com. Boom! Hit it, hit Boom. it. Um, so yeah, the the magazine is really a great part of what we do, mm-hmm. and our circulation when I started was one hundred and fifty thousand in two thousand and eight, and now it's about a hundred thousand. Okay. So it's really not nice. nearly a drop.
0: No, Um, I mean considering
1: drop as as a lot of other publications, you got guys that are completely out of business that are gone, that are or just said, you know, we're wrapping up the magazine, Um, you know. Yeah, no, it's. I
0: mean, like like it is a fifty thousand, you know, haircut call it in people, but you're talking about you know a a ten a 12 year to 10 11 year run yep. where the digital age has I mean smacked the shit out of pretty right. much everybody yep so for you that's that's pretty much keeping it flat yep you know totally I mean? over that totally that time we still back. have
1: great partners that support them support the magazine like you know the Nikes and Adidas and the Under Armors and Spalding and um, tons of big brands in this space that you know respect Slam's voice
0: I interview a lot of um, New York area basketball players, yeah. right? People that have gone through the high school ranks and dominated college mm-hmm. and done well professionally overseas and in the NBA. And one consistent thread, particularly those that came up, I'd say, in the 90s and early 2000s, the consistency of the significance of showing up in periodicals like yours, yeah. right? Or, um, uh, you know, SI, like Felipe on the cover of SI. Mm-hmm. And, and even more, like, i call them, like, um, yeah, more local, not local, they were national, but, like, the rankings that would come wow. out. Those are significant milestones for these people. Totally. Right? Yeah. One thing, and, and I'm so glad you guys are kind of going back to basics as far as the high school yeah. aspect of where you guys started. But one significant missing piece is the local papers, right? right. So here in the New York metro area, the local papers were... The lifeblood of these athletes, right? Mm-hmm. Once they made it onto the New York Post or, mm-hmm. or whatever, the Daily News, mm-hmm. it was a humongous benefit, yep. right? It, it kind of... It was their coming coming of age opportunity. Um, that's pretty much gone. Like, there are no significant people covering. Yeah, but everything anyone, also
1: Everything's on Instagram first or... Right. You know, and these kids are all just glued to their phones. Right. And, um, you Which know, is dangerous they, to me, and right? There's no one's... You know, I the Felipe Lopez documentary I'm sure you watched yeah for sure those kids aren't going to buy newspapers anymore no you know they're just going on Instagram and Twitter you know going to buy the copy of Slint you know right
0: but (laughs) but I think there's still and maybe you would know better just because you're kind of in this world yeah I think it's still beneficial for you to have somebody in the local newspaper for instance covered you know on the beat still right right? I don't see that and again now we're talking about Showcasing it on the digital front, right. not necessarily on a tangible newspaper, yeah. but that's not even happening. It's very fickle, yeah. you know. You guys, I see way more out of you guys from from you know nationally, but even locally, mm-hmm. high school wise, than I do with the local papers, which I think is kind of bullshit. Yeah. So, like, are you seeing anything change in that regard with respect to lo- local newspapers and media outlets?
1: You know. Unfortunately, I would say that one of the reasons you're not seeing it a lot in the local papers is because New York basketball hasn't been as great True. in this era True. as it was, you know, in the mid to late 90s. You know, when yeah. you had Felipe and Steph and even guys like Odom and Elton Brand up at Peakskill, like we had some
0: num- number one
1: pick monsters. And, you know, we got some great players in New York, no doubt, but, um, you know, just not, none of like the top five, top ten guys. So, um, it's maybe, you know, the headlines aren't necessarily worth it to these local papers mm-hmm. at the moment. If you had Zion Williamson playing last year at Lincoln, right. you better believe he'd yeah, be, no, the be, start be on the cover of the post. So, <laughs> you know, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, where a lot of the great players are now.
0: How do you compare the, the kids that you see coming up now, let, let's call it high school and college, yeah. to kind of when you started at Slam? Like, what
1: would you say is the biggest difference in the athletes? I think they're getting better and better. I mean, these kids are phenomenal. I mean, the jumping ability of some of these guys, their ability to shoot the ball. I mean, since, like, the Steph Currys started doing what they were doing in the league, I mean, there's really been kind of an emphasis change. You know, when I was growing up, it was like, I want to be like Allen Iverson. I just wanted to right. break you down with a crossover and get to the basket, and whether I finished or not, I mean, that was anyone... The flash that before that in, was what exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I think kids are also seeing these... Incredible contracts that these guys are getting. Yeah. I mean, I just saw today Reggie Bullock, $20 million. <laughs> Shouts to Reggie. I mean, Yo, that's, a, that's a great haul for Reggie Bullock. Mm-hmm. And Julius Randle, I think he's a great player. Um, you know, he just got $60 million. So there's a lot to like about, you know, wanting to be in the NBA and, um, you know, provide for your family. And I think these kids are really see it as like, if I put my mind to this and I can shoot like Steph or I can finish like Zion... Um, you know, I could make a hundred million, million dollars. You know what I'm saying? So I think the kids are just getting better and better. I mean, they're phenomenal. At our Slam Summer Classic last year, I mean, these guys are. This kid, Zion Harmon, is a high school player. I think he's a sophomore. I think he's a junior now. Um, he just played at Dykeman this past weekend. He's phenomenal. Like, he just the ball's like on a string. He's got handles like Kyrie. He can shoot the ball. Um, just with young wait. Dave Schnurr? yeah, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. I think that's what people are saying. Like, you, look like, you look like Dave <laughs> Schnurr circa nineteen ninety nine, right there. Um, so no, I think that the kids are just they're, they're getting better and better.
0: So let's talk about let's talk about the Slam Classic, um, Summer okay. Classic. So this is your second year, yeah, um, at Dykeman. Dykman Park, yep. and you said August the eighteenth, August eighteenth, Sunday, August eighteenth. Okay. And by the way, for those listening, this is probably going to roll out sometime in, in I'd say late January, July or August, but it's July first, yep. And uh, the NBA free agency, agency bedlam is fucking upon us. Yeah. <laughs> um. But but real quick before we get into that, um, the classic, is, especially this year, given right. that it's Dykman's 30th anniversary, yeah, a big. Like, you know, to yeah. do right. Totally. What What is it about? Um. What made you guys decide? You know what? Let's do this and let's yeah. do it at Dykeman?
1: Right. So going back to when we bought it, a, a couple of things we want to do. We got to get big into high school. Yep. We want to do a game. Uh-huh. We want to do merch. We want to sell hoodies, t-shirts, all that stuff. So when we were thinking of how would we do a game, we we're what would be the way to bring a slam game to life? There's a lot of all-American games. You got the Jordan Brand Clash, yeah. you got McDonald's. They're all in big arenas. Um, so we thought, what better way to put our spin on it than to do it at Dykeman in yeah. an iconic outdoor court with as much heritage as, as any court in the game. Um, outdoor court in the game. So... Uh, that was a pretty easy decision for us. I mean, the only difficult part is playing that weather game. So oh, we were supposed to do the game at night last year. The forecast was pretty bad, so we ended up getting the game off at about one o'clock, and it was great. It was a beautiful sun was shining. So um, it was just it, it fits Slam. Yeah, I mean, Slam is street, the slam. and it's the essence of you know kind of what we do. And a lot of these kids haven't played in this atmosphere before. So you bring these kids to Dykeman, and you got everybody banging on the on the the bleachers yeah. and, and the side rails and you know, if you show out there you're like a king. Yep. But if you if you, you play you if, you get, if you get if you get dog then you are you're done. You know, it's a rat. I mean you can feel pretty embarrassed out there. So right. um you know, it just it, it fits the brand really well and we have the best sophomores, juniors and seniors come. Normal all Americans games, it's just the seniors that are graduating that are going on to college to play D one. So And this is from
0: all around the country. It's from all around the country. Right. So
1: we'll fly in guys from, you know, California, even you know, we could fly in a guy from Canada if we if we wanted to. So do you guys have
0: the teams already established?
1: We we have most of the guys are locked in and we're gonna have twenty of the thirty best players in the country regardless of class coming, so it'll be a show. Can't wait. It'll be a show, for sure.
0: Let's believe Dribble and Dazzle will be there. Yes. In our little let's corner. Do it. Let's do it.
1: <laughs> um, so you, I, I
0: think that's phenomenal, but let's let's get into free agency talk. Yes. Okay? Okay. I told you before, I admitted that I'm a Knicks fan.
1: Yeah, okay. I am a Knicks fan as well.
0: Um, the, th- fuck it, let's just say it. We, we struck out, right? <laughs> Big no, time. No, I was,
1: I was on a group text with a bunch of my colleagues, and I said, Is James Dolan the biggest deterrent in professional sports? This
0: is what I want to hear from a Kyrie or his camp. Yeah, listen, I don't know
1: James Dolan personally. I've just, you know, kind of seen his antics from like the Charles Oakley thing to whatever. So it's just, it's sad, honestly. And uh, to be fair, I'm actually, I'm kind of, not happy, but... The guys that we've gotten, I really like Julius Randle. And if yeah. I think of our starting five, you got you got Dennis Smith Jr. at the one, it kinda he's it's TBD whether he's truly a point guard or not. Yep. But from an from an athleticism standpoint, yeah. the Knicks got some freaks. Yeah. You got Dennis Smith at the one, you got RJ at the two or three, you got Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson, and now Julius Randle, who's a big boy. Yeah. He's like a big three four kind of he's like a three four five. I mean, if
0: you believe Cantor, right, he is uh, the the Hops less or less hops than Zion is how he, you know, he said that Zion
1: was random with hops. Cantor? Yeah. Oh, Cantor said random. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cantor said, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I mean, that's not a bad comparison. (laughs) No, listen, the team is young and talented. I don't think an eight seed is out of the realm of possibility. Mm -hmm. I really don't. If these guys can put it together, I like the youth. Like I said, I like the athleticism. They all have. Like Dennis Smith can jump out of the gym. Alonzo Trier, Alonzo Trier, also a really good player. Mm-hmm. So, um, would I say I'm really excited about the Knicks? No, no. Uh, but but am, not I'm not more devastated. disappointed. I'm not than devastated. Right. And I'm not gonna like talk trash about any of the guys. But you know, even like the Kyries and the Kds, they haven't been without you know turbulence over the sure. last couple of years, and especially with the injuries with KD. Um, people are saying, how can you not offer him the max? I mean, I think he's worth a max, but I also can understand why someone wouldn't want to lock in 140 million to someone that blew out their Achilles. I said, regardless I said, of how good they are,
0: I said it to a buddy of mine. Now, granted, I'm I'm of the of the school of thought where you you offer the guy the money,
1: right? All right, I, let, let me let me say, I would have done that. Yes, totally. But I can't sit here and say. How could you not do that?
0: Right, especially when you're thinking about it from a business standpoint. Yeah. Like, the the risk... And granted, MSG prints money. Yeah. But that aside, just straight up business logic. Like, yeah. if you have a certain amount of money to play totally. with. You're going to risk it all on somebody who may not even be a shell yeah. of what he was. Right. I doubt that's going to be the right. case. But
1: I can I can understand it to a degree. Now... Yeah. they've done, The Knicks have done a terrible job of appeasing their fan base. Absolutely. Like, the best thing they've done in the last 10 years... Well, they drafted Chris Stops, which I was way against, and me yeah, too. And, and, it he, out, and it worked out. So it worked out. Yeah, was drafting RJ.
0: Yeah, RJ Barrett this
1: year, yeah. best draft pick I've seen in years, hands down. They made the right call. Yep, I was ready for them to listen. Fuck it I up. Like Darius Garland, he's coming off an injury. I don't know what's up with his knee, whatever. Um, if you pass on RJ, there, we're back to I'm back a Pelicans. fan. I'm a Pelicans fan. <laughs> <laughs> a Pelicans fan from Damn, Green. that's a reach. That's it. <laughs> I love the Pelicans this year. I think they're gonna. Be they're gonna be amazing. I love to it. Watch. This is my this is my call. Pelicans over Lakers the first round of the playoffs. Wow! You heard it here first, you, Dave Schnur. So you, dribbling <laughs> dimes. Pelis over Lakers. Lebron first time, or AD first may not time, be at full strength. First
0: time on a podcast. Here we go. Dropping dropping buckets over here. Yep. <laughs>
1: Pelicans <laughs> over Lake Show. That I would love to see that. I would love to see Listen, that. That's, that's Listen, cr- I don't it's. I think line. it's a crazy. It's not a crazy thought.
0: You know what might be crazy and people might bash me for this. I don't know if the Lakers make the playoffs.
1: Ooh, that to is To me that's still a question. I listen, it all comes down to health. If you if you get 60 games from AD and 60 games from LeBron, yeah, you're it's, in the playoffs it's hard 100%. To the reason <laughs> yeah. I say Pelicans over Lakers is cuz I'm not so sure that you're going to have both those guys healthy going into the playoffs. Right, like you need to be very careful with them. Right, and it would also help if they got some if they got some help. Not that I mean, LeBron and AD alone, you could probably put me and Manny on the squad. Get Dennis. Up yeah, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's you could, true. You could get some dubs.
0: That's true. That's true. <laughs> and I have sharp elbows, so I'll get right, i exactly. get some good we'll get, get people dirty. out. Right. <laughs> but the I mean, but the West is you got it's wide open, man. But look, you got Portland. Mm-hmm. Still ferocious group. You don't you don't believe him? Ah,
1: man, I. Denver. I tell Denver. I love Denver. I Denver think, still got somebody in the about stash. My Michael Porter Jr. Exactly. They got, back. they got Porter in the and stash. They just maxed out. Jamal Murray and they still got Jokic. So I think Denver. If you had to say to me right now who comes out of the West, I would say Denver. Yeah. Yeah. I, think I would so. say Denver. And who would I say comes out of the East? That's a tough one. I mean, if Kawhi stays in Toronto, I don't buy. It. I don't think he will. Yeah. I don't know. I I would have, have, and the Sixers are—I was talking about them—they are long, man. You yeah, Embiid, Horford. Horford, Simmons. Yeah, these guys are some uh, Tobias Harris. Yeah, now you got Jay Rich too. I mean, these are some big boys. But the Pelicans, so. the
0: Pelicans by far to me, uh, them and the Pacers. The Pacers came up on some players.
1: Yeah. They, they got um, Oh, um, don't forget Bronx. about Utah. I think Utah. Yeah, Utah's got Utah got some shit going with, on too. Now they got Conley and Donovan Mitchell. That's probably the best defensive backcourt in the NBA. Yep, yep, yep.
0: Um, oh shit, favors is now with the Pelicans. Did they? Oh, they that, that that's a trade that, that's yeah, on the on the table. Trade kind of. Deal. By the time this is released, he'll be a Pelican. Yeah. So there's I mean, a lot of fun
1: shit going on. There's a lot of fun shit. But going back to the Pelicans, I remember last year when they made the original offer for AD. And I was even saying, man, that's a haul. Yeah. Man, you take that. But then people were like, you realize then you're just the Lakers in New Orleans. Right. And I was like, you're not wrong. No, And sure. the Lakers right now are not very good. Right. Um, but now you take those guys and you add Zion. That's a different. That's, that's not a, the Lakers. That is not the Lakers. <laughs> that's not the Lakers. No, that is a different beast. So.
0: Tell me, what's your thought? I know what the fucking answer is going to be. But like yeah. the fucking lottery, mm, right? This yeah. year, above all years. Mm-hmm. This was the year the Knicks were supposed to actually
1: get the first pick. Not really, though. They had the worst record, but this was the year that— But I'm saying,
0: yeah. if that rule didn't change, this would have been the year where the probabilities should have
1: worked in our favor. And they still wouldn't have gotten it. Yeah, this true. No way. I thought that's they were going to get the five pick. That's they true. still wouldn't have gotten it. That's true. It. I, I mean, you know, but listen, I, I think it's tough because you want to prevent—you want to decentivize people from tanking. Tanking. You know, it, that sucks. I mean, going, being a fan and going to a game, and, like, even when you have these guys rest, I understand the goal is to win an NBA championship, but the M- NBA is also an entertainment organization, Absolutely. right? So if you buy a ticket to a Raptors game, you're probably going because you want to see Kawhi play. If you're mm-hmm. buying a ticket to a Lakers game, you're probably going because you want to see LeBron and AD play. You, you know, you took little Johnny for his birthday. He's so excited to see if it's his favorite player. You know, he's shit out of luck because they got arrest arrested. He rested, yeah. So... It's tricky. I totally get it. I don't disagree with either party. Whether it's the fans or the teams. Sure. they both have their reasons. But um, yeah, I think the lottery is—it's fair the way it is now. I, I agree with you. It's fair. I and just the, hate the, that it all had to become
0: free fair when the fucking Knicks were on the clock. That's very you Knicksian. Know? It is. It's Our very fucking, Knicksian. That's you know, how we do. My buddy, tell me what you think about this. Now, think about this, right? You got the Mets. Terrible organization. Orange think, and blue. Uh, I'm a Yankee fan. Orange and blue, right? Yeah. The Knicks, terrible organization. And i a Jets and blue. fan, too.
1: You're a Jets fan? And, uh, yeah, I'm a Jets fan. I'm wow. Knicks, but I got the Yankees, so I'm good. So you're Sorry, good. orange and blue. Go ahead. Yeah. And then you've got... So,
0: right? And then you flip that, and then you look at the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Red, and, red white, and blue. Yeah. Fucking perennial champions all the time. They got some something... They're competing, yeah. right? You got the Giants... Maybe this year, I don't know, because we picked up a fucking dud for a quarterback. You're a G
1: fan, G-man fan. You've been good for the last But you've decade. been all right. You've been good.
0: You've been all right. You can't complain. Yeah. So, what about just changing the team's colors?
1: Ah. Uh-huh. Why don't we do that? That can't be that hard. It wouldn't be that... Too much heritage, man.
0: Fuck the heritage. Too much
1: Too much what heritage. What the
0: fuck? We don't have that much heritage. We got two championships.
1: That's true. Yeah. That's it. But it's because it's the Mecca, man. It used, it. it used to be. You can't change it. But I'll tell you what the worst part about... The KD Kyrie whole saga is Is that like They went right across the bridge Right there Like right there Yeah It's like the biggest fuck you Yeah kind of Oh totally like, like how do you come to New York And not play at the Garden yeah. yeah Like no disrespect to Barclays No 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 It's a dope place but And you know what's crazy Madison Square Garden still going to sell out every game Doesn't matter it Doesn't matter they're still The tickets are still going to be expensive Which is
0: why the Knicks won't change <sighs>
1: I was, I, thought, I was hoping Bezos was going to buy the team. You heard that rumor? I did weeks it. Ago? Like oh, I would have loved it. Yeah, I'm not perpetuating every, anything. I think this was, this was out there. That would have been crazy.
0: I, I have this sick, um, twisted uh, scenario, right? You got right. Carmelo's pr- pr- practically blackballed Stop. from the league. Hold on. I'm going to bring him back to the... No, hold on hold, on, hold on. <laughs> he's practically blackballed, yeah. right? And he's part of the Banana Boat crew, yep. right? So Bring D-Wade out of retirement. Well, no. <laughs> on the ownership side, oh no. So, so basically, what you guys did with Slam, yeah. you guys they go and they partner up with some fucking amazing investor, yeah. And then they come in and buy the team. Yeah. But that would require some dirt coming out on Dolan or some random yeah, wild Dolan's shit. Not sell- he's not, sell- not going to sell the team. I wouldn't sell the team. Nothing, this is nothing new, man. I can't be mad at him for not selling the team. Yeah.
1: Are you kidding me? He's got a gold mine. But I want it to happen. I know. I know. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. You just got to grin and bear it.
0: Fucking persevere. Yep.
1: Exactly. What
0: What's on the horizon for Slam? Like, what what's the next... I don't know. Six months, looking like I know you got the classic coming up. Yeah, out.
1: we got the classic going up. That's all hands on deck for that right now. Just continuing to build great content, put out great merchandise, um, and come up with new cool things to do in the world of basketball. I mean, yeah. we're gonna do more events. We may do more. We may do more games, films. Um, Any films? Films. Yes, we actually um, slam is. Uh, our producer of this uh, Steph Marbury documentary oh, um, that was just at uh, Sundance. Okay, so that's going to be—I don't even know when the release date is—but um, Slam is is involved in that in a that's big great. way. In a big way, yeah. That's our, our sister company JDS Sports. Okay, uh, they own a company called 1091 Media. 1091 Media bought the rights to a kid from Coney Island, which is the Stefan Marbury documentary, um, and Slam will be very involved in um, how that goes to market. I love it. Yeah.
0: What would you say is the biggest highlight of your Slam career thus far?
1: Ooh, I'm buying it back. Mm. Easy. I I mean, that's 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 a great easy. I mean, to go from a kid reading this thing. If you had told me that one day I would, you know, be a part owner and my name would be at the top of the masthead with the guy who founded it, um, you know, I pinch myself. You know, I wanted to play in the league, but I, I told you those. Those dreams died fast yep. at a young age. So you know what better way to continue to be in the world of basketball than work for the publication that shaped kind of who you were as a fan? I I, you know? sp-
0: I spoke at a camp a couple of days ago. Um, it's, it was put on by this organization called We Will Through Sports. Okay. And they had me come and just from, you know, on the strength of my podcast, they felt like I would be somebody who could speak to these kids. Mm -hmm. And I spoke to them about the importance and significance of thinking beyond just the hoop dream, right? You are a prime example of kind of what I was talking about because, you know, admittedly you peaked at 11, right? And so, and I told them this myself, I was like, yo, my game was whack, you know, compared to the people around me, like my game was trash. So I was like... I needed to get involved because I'm such a passionate fan of yeah. the game. I was like, I wanted to get involved in the game, and so my brother and I we decided, yo, let's let's do a podcast and dribble and down. And now look, came at you in the slam off. I'm in the slam office, the slam office right? right? That's great. Um, but it's it's very interesting to me because like you, especially you guys, yeah. you have a pretty serious um, hand in kind of really moving the culture of basketball, mm-hmm. right? And, and you guys do it from such a, a, a organic but also genuine place, mm-hmm. right? It's not like um doctored up media bullshit. No. Like you guys are really in the in the real essence right. of it. How hard is it to
1: maintain that? It's really not that hard. Okay. Because that's just who we are. Everyone that works here is a super passionate fan of the game. Pretty much everybody has <laughs> played at some level and you know you bring up like new media companies there's a lot of you know sexy tech startups as we have competitors that are a couple years old that have a crazy amount of fans yeah um, more fans than us but you know we have 25 years of legacy and heritage and people respect that and it's a voice that has been groomed over many years and the people that we hire we see something in them that um, you know shows us that they can continue that that legacy for slam so uh, that's not something you can buy no you know, you can you could start you know JoJo's basketball website tomorrow. You could go get a million fans on Instagram. Doesn't matter.
0: It's very si- similar to how you got a lot of uh, non-basketball people trying to do basketball shit, like AAU programs or like yeah. you know coaching kids that don't have a fucking clue of what basketball really is, but they watch a few YouTube videos and now yeah. they feel like they're you know qualified. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Yeah, the. You know, the evolution of the game, particularly with New York being the backdrop mm-hmm. to you, what, who in your tenure, just you know, being a part of Slam, but oh. also just a fan of the, of the game, being local, yeah. who would you say stands out as like the most significant player that's come out of you know, your time uh, in watching time? and being a fan of the game, particularly from the New York area? Oh, from the New York area? Yeah.
1: I mean, it'd, probably, it'd have to be Steph. I mean, mm. the heat, that was in the mid-90s. I didn't yep. start working at Slam until 2008. But, yeah, but you were a fan already. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. a fan already. I mean, Steph was like a god in New York. I mean, he was Allen Iverson in New York. Yeah. And Allen Iverson is pr- arguably the biggest, you know, athlete, the biggest basketball player in Slam's history. He kind of epitomizes what Slam is about. Right, That kind of renegade, rebellious, hip-hop, swagger, chains, hanging out, jersey, fro-puffed out, like... You know, he was. That's like an
0: iconic picture too. This, yeah, that now, cover. You could, now you can now
1: you can buy it on a T-shirt. Bam. Shop <laughs> Boom. You're, you're here <laughs> for a reason, Dave. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, you Also, had Bassie, Sebastian Telfair, yep. who's Steph's cousin, who was phenomenal. Um. I hope I'm not forgetting anybody, but you know, we had a cover with LeBron and Sebastian when they were in yeah, high school. That together was crazy. You know, Bassie was a junior, LeBron was a senior. It was amazing.
0: Yeah, shit's dope. It yeah, was amazing. Was it here? Did that happen here? No, oh, we've yeah, only well been office. in this office
1: for like two years. Okay. That was probably like a you know a studio right somewhere in a somewhere in New York. Yeah.
0: Um, hip hop, hip hop, and you you talked about the iconic convergence of, of hoops and hip hop, yep. which is Allen Iverson. How does I mean I know what the answer is, but like you guys embraced it, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, magazines or or people that cover yeah. uh, well now less, but back in the day, yeah. There wasn't a lot of allowability, call it, for the two worlds to converge, even though it was always, you know, a part of, yeah. of, of Hoop's culture. Uh, you guys really brought it, embraced it, but also highlighted it, yeah. right? And that continues till today. Mm-hmm. What, what are the more significant things you guys are doing to kind of really showcase that, that marriage of hip-hop and, and Hoop's?
1: Well, I mean, we touched on this before. Actually, before we started recording, but we had Drake on the cover, you know, two years ago, yeah. next to Damar and Kyrie, um, and that was huge for us. I mean, at, at that point, Drake wasn't doing any media whatsoever, uh, um, and I, I'm going to take credit for this idea. And I said, why, I said, I oh. said, why don't we, why don't we do Drake with the Raptors? And the sentiment in the office was like, dude, you're not getting, you're not getting Drake. Like, it's <laughs> not going to happen, you know. And I was like, he puts on for the Raptors quite a bit. Right. Like, I don't know if he was officially named the Raptors ambassador like he is now, but right. I was like, let's see if we can get in touch with him, um, and see if he'll do it. And we reached out, and he was like, I'm down. Let's go. So we just got like on, that, just like that. So wow. that was that was great. Um, getting him on so that was he was the first hip hop athlete. I'm mean, hip hop athlete. He was the first, uh, you know, rapper, song singer. Songwriter, whatever it is, um, on the cover of Slam. So that so was, that, a, was that, big, that was a Schnur idea. That was a, I'm going to take credit for that. That's dope. That was a Schnur idea. So damn, um, talk
0: about reaching for the stars. Cause. Yeah, I mean,
1: he's the biggest you know entertainer right now, and yeah. that was that was new and, and very cool and kind of just was a perfect Slam thing that came together. It just made a lot of sense. And then did,
0: did sales pop as a result? Do you remember?
1: Um, like sales pop of the magazine yeah, that issue. I can't remember. Okay. I can't remember. I think it probably did fairly well. Yeah. Um but you know, a lot of people aren't people aren't buying Slam necessarily cuz they want to see Drake on the sure. cover. And I'm sure people shat all over that. They're like, "Why is he on the cover?" You know, but you get hate every time you do of anything. Of course. We had Zion on the cover um, when he was in high school. Right. Now, that looks like a freaking home Great run. Right. Look, when we put him on, people were like, "That kid is dunking on some 5-2 You know, white boys in South Carolina that can't even that wouldn't even play on my varsity team. (laughs) Right? Like this kid. Let's see if this kid can even play. How is he making it on the cover of Slam? And now look at him. (laughs) That looks like a pretty good decision. That was a pretty good decision (laughs) by the Slam. Was that a I'm not. No, I'm not taking credit for that. No, I was. I was very uh, excited about it, but I, I can definitely not take credit for that. Um, and then we're doing. We did a couple episodes uh, of a show with TJ Porter, which hasn't been released yet. He's a local New York rapper. Yep. Um, we had Dave East in the magazine a couple years ago, and he was super hyped about it. He like went on his Instagram and was, was going through the magazine, talking so, about how you know he grew up on Slam. And it's, I mean, he was a ball player too. Yeah. So yeah. He, I, where do you play? Towson? he play in Townsend? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Down in Maryland. On, yeah. Yep. Down in Maryland. So yep. you know, there's this. Everyone always says every basketball player wants to be a rapper, and every right. rapper wants to be a basketball player. So we try and marry that when the opportunity presents itself. And then, you know, we just have we've had great writers over the years, guys like Scoop Jackson, um, who are legends, yep. you know, on the editorial side. And he was with Slam for many years and wrote some iconic pieces for Slam. So
0: I love, I love, I love what you guys do. Um, I'm a big fan. I, I got to give a big shout out to Kyle Krackauer, uh for connecting us. What's big, up, Crack? Big Crack. Um, it it was uh it was a nice vote of confidence from him to to even connect us because I know how yeah. <laughs> similar to your brother in law right yeah. like for somebody to give you the look right you gotta like yeah you either gotta be really in that person's good graces right. or you gotta know something about you right totally yep. I felt the same way when Craig put us in touch I was like shit that's that's dope yep. thank you for the vote of confidence so, oh this
1: is great it's my first pod
0: there like you go That's just the-
1: a great experience I'm gonna do more gonna, <laughs> go to episode two. With Dave Schnurdy, I'm, with and I'm with it.
0: I'm with it. So you guys are, are doing a lot of different things in media, right? Yeah. Um, we talked about the the magazine, the site, but you guys got some podcasts, some original content yeah. on the video side. Like, yeah. Tell us a little bit more about what those are and where people can find them.
1: We're just trying to be everywhere that everyone is in some form or fashion. So podcasting is huge now. We just started a podcast, I think we've done three or four episodes, called The Kaz and Vic Show. Yep. Um, it's on Himalaya, the Himalaya Network, I think you can get on Spotify. I, iTunes is not even out. iTunes not even around anymore, right? Apple Podcasts, maybe is Apple spot. Podcasts. Yeah. So we're in the we're in podcasting. We're doing stuff like with the Steph documentary, um, Kitty from Coney Island. So that's like you know major film release. Uh, we're doing. We have all sorts of episodic content that we do for Slam, whether it's day in the life you know, with an NBA player or a high school player, or we have a show called You're Now where we sit down with the guys on our cover and just give them a bunch of rapid fire questions. So, you know, building content, doing a lot on the merch side, we do all these cover t-shirts with Mitchell and Ness um, that have iconic covers on them that you can buy in our store. And those have been phenomenal sellers for us since we started selling them about a year ago. So just doing as much as we can in all these different parts of the game. That's...
0: What's That's what's the next for Schnarr? Because I mean, you you're a young dude. Continue you got a to long build, life. man.
1: Continue to build. Yeah. Continue to build with Slam, and you know, stay at the top of the mountain.
0: I love it. Are you still hooping now?
1: I, I'm not. I I probably get a good run in, maybe two or three times a year, and then I'll go in my backyard. I got a, a almost four year old and an almost one year old, so you know, we'll get some shots up on the on the little tikes in the morning. You know, the, right. the green and blue joint, and get some of those. Get some of the trays up with, with my littlest and my, uh yeah, my two guys. So that's that's most of the basketball I play now is on the little tykes with my boys. That's dope. I'm actually,
0: uh, I've been meaning to go to my neighborhood and go to the JCC and see what's popping in there because they yeah. got a nice facility. So I'm about to go see if I can get back you on the do a, on that, man.
1: Yeah, I just got you got to make sure to stretch, bro. So Yo. Say, stretch it out. Do your toe touches. Yo, my
0: Achilles. Let me yeah. tell you, my Achilles,
1: I feel that, bitch. Like, yeah. screaming. That's when i that up. I got a buddy that blew out his Achilles. I went to school with him. Mm-hmm. Blew out his Achilles. Came back, rehab, blew out his other oh. Achilles. can that I mean that, horror stories, man. And no. that's not like that that's a That's a, big that's injury. a biggie. That's, that's a biggie. That's like ACL tear. I mean, like, you
0: talked about, you know, a finger jam that three sucks. weeks.
1: I hate jamming my pinky. I, hate I mean that I could I could still hoop, but you know, yeah, yeah it like, sucks. Man, swollen fucking finger. Swollen. Yeah.
0: Prediction. I'm a, I'm a soldier. Ha
1: <laughs> 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 I like that. I keep it going, and you
0: put some bass in your voice. I exactly. like that. Exactly. Um, I need your prediction, Boogie Cousins. Where do you think he's gonna end up? Oh my god, Boogie man.
1: Uh, Where's Boogie gonna go? Uh, I'll say Lakers. Mm. I'll say Lakers on like a one year.
0: Prove, prove it
1: out. Maybe, one more year. Maybe two years, twenty million or something. Shit. Yeah, something like that.
0: I was hoping the Knicks, but now with all the stuff that's gone down,
1: I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, that is a complete shot in the dark. I have no clue. No, I'm that, just thinking of sense. like I'm thinking of oh, he wanted to go to the Warriors to win a chip. Now where could he go? Right. He could go to Lakers. Lakers need a good player. Maybe maybe that is a marriage that could that could work out. I like it. Yeah, I like it. What else you got? What else you got for me?
0: I, I really just I kind of want to see you play ball, bro. No, you like know, I need it's to, not,
1: not a pretty picture anymore. I need to
0: see if this homeless. Perp, the homeless man, uh, JJ, JJ Reddick, is, is real.
1: Super homeless, <laughs> super homeless, JJ Reddick. The J is not flowing anymore. I think no. I try and I've tried to change my form so many times over the years, and I'll do it one day, and I'm like, oh my god, I finally figured it out, right? And then I get into a game, and I start, my shit looks so messed up. Like it's the, well, the, game the game action is, yeah. is very different.
0: I was doing it that, that, um, the other day. I was like, you know, by myself. And I thought I had it figured yeah. out. And then we're playing a game of horse. It wasn't even anything crazy. But the pressure of doing
1: it, I was oh, like, yeah. fuck. Totally. Totally. But I'm a gunner, man. I keep going. I'll be like <laughs> 0 for 8. And then I'll s- splash. And I'm like, boom. It was worth it. Another 10 coming for you right now. I love it. John Starks in yeah, the flesh. Exactly. John Starks 95 <laughs> Rocket Series in the flesh. God damn. That's what we got. Goddamn. That's, that's,
0: that's where my game is right now. Yo, I'm Dave, man. Right? Um, yeah, I got, I got everything I wanted out All of you, right? brother. I appreciate
1: great. it. This a lot of fun.
0: I'm glad. I'm, I hope that really and truly your first podcast experience was a good one. It was.
1: I'll be doing it again. It's good.
0: Great. Good. Yeah, man. You should pop into the slam, slam joints every now and Maybe. again. Give, we'll give a couple
1: words. We'll see. We'll see how I grade out on this one.
0: All right. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, my brother. Thank you.
1: Thank you it was a pleasure. Appreciate it. All right.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Dribble and Dimes. If you like what you heard, Please leave a review or comment wherever you're listening to us now. Check us out on social media as well. We're live on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. On all platforms, you can find us at D-R-I-B-B-L-E-N-D-I-M-E-S.